0: 10 years ago, I began my journey into the Twilight Zone, but in actuality, the true beginning of this show was probably a year or maybe two even before that. Changes of hosting, changes of websites mean that the dates you see in your podcatcher aren't the actual dates when this show began. Rather fittingly, the beginning of the Twilight Zone podcast has been lost to time But in my mind, it was probably 2009 or 2010. So when you consider that the first ever podcast is generally believed to have been released in 2004, this show coming out about five years later means that it really was coming out in a time when this format was just new and emerging. Nowadays, hundreds of celebrities have their own podcasts. Celebrities interview other celebrities. Celebrities even now do episode-by-episode episode breakdowns of the shows that they acted in, which used to be the domain of people like me doing a show like this. So although the were celebrity podcasts in those days, the landscape was very different. It was a format that fans could use to enthuse about things in a way that they were never really allowed to do before. What radio station is ever going to greenlight an episode-by-episode breakdown of The Twilight Zone? It just wouldn't happen. The great thing about podcasting though is, to borrow a quote from my guest tonight, you don't need to be greenlit by a radio station, you can greenlight yourself but this young format had to prove itself if you had a radio show people took notice but if you had a podcast not so much so when i started this show just the fact that it existed didn't carry much weight at all and if i wanted some important guests to come onto the show i needed some credibility and i needed a guest to bring some of that credibility a guest who I could hold up to other people and say, look who came onto my show, maybe you'd like to come on too. And I was absolutely thrilled all those years ago, when the man who agreed to do that, to take that first step and embrace this new format, and to guest on this show, was also the man who had the foresight to see that these kind of fan deep dives, on an episode by episode level, were what people wanted. His book, first published in 1982, was one of the forerunners of this way of enjoying our media. Part reference, part trivia, and part opinion. And while you might not always agree with him, which as you'll find out in a moment, he's absolutely fine with, that disagreement breeds conversation. And isn't that why we're all here? The kind of show that I'm doing now would not exist without the work of my guest tonight. The media might be different, but the love of the material is the same. So tonight submitted for your approval, the author of The Twilight Zone Companion, Mr. Mark Scott Zickrey. I spoke to you almost 10 years ago now Mark and yeah I know and when I spoke to you then you had several things going on you had the book with Guillermo del Toro you know space command's always been a you know something that you're working on (laughs) so you're always a very very busy man whenever I see you on YouTube and stuff so how's the last year and a half been for you?
1: Things are great. I mean, I you know it, my goal initially when the pandemic hit was to keep all of our people on salary. Mm-hmm. and um, we have an editor full- time, uh, you know like a film editor. We have someone running a physical production of our of our studio, of our physical studio, etc So I was able to keep all of our people on salary. Um, and uh, you know I've, I've raised over I've raised over two and a half million dollars from for Space Command wow. in the times I since I've started doing Space Command entirely from my fans via Kickstarter campaigns and selling investment shares of 7,500 bucks each. And so, so but the, the interesting thing was, I realized that because everyone was stuck at home and going crazy, see normally, because so many of my actors are so well known and so busy, mm. uh, they're not available. It's very difficult to get them all together at one time. But they were all sitting at home, you know, just climbing the walls because they're, all the studios, everything had shut down. So I, had, I came up with this idea where Elaine and I wrote a bonus two hour episode of Space Command that our actors could shoot in their own homes with their own cameras so they could all stay safe. But it, because uh, we'd shot the first three hours of Space Command and we recorded an audio prequel. But I but I had already worked out most of the first season mm-hmm. and I knew where all, all this was going. And there were a bunch of characters that I hadn't yet introduced that I knew we would be. So Armin Schimmerman and Christina Moses and so many, J.G. Hertzler, so many actors that um, we're just waiting in the wings and now they were home. So by, um, by doing this two hour episode it allowed me to uh, introduce a lot of people like Barbara Bain from Space 1999 is in Space Command now and Neil deGrasse Tyson. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's an embarrassment of riches. So we a two hour episode and, and, in, and but we used our entire uh, visual effects bag of tricks. So for instance, we had a scene between one of our characters uh, who's based in Atlanta and an actress. We had a casting call for an actress to play his daughter, and she was in Saskatchewan. And we managed to put them together in the same living room, even though they both shot in their own homes and were never actually physically together. And so, uh, so it was very, very fun. And uh, and then in the meantime, I finished a new book called Greenlighting Yourself, which is basically how people don't have to rely on the studios or the networks or even the publishing houses to make their dreams come true. How. The internet and having video cameras in our pockets and all of that allows everyone to sort of uh, as i say green light yourself so i just finished that book and sent it off to my publisher and yeah we we didn't slow down during the pandemic we ramped up and we were busier than ever it's uh you know elaine and i just celebrated our 44th anniversary and uh we write and direct and produce together and it's it's a dream come true so i'm i have no complaints and our our people are all very, very well, healthy. Sadly, Mira Furlan, who was one of our cast in Space Command, who I worked with on Babylon 5, um, passed away from West Nile virus of all things, Mm. not COVID. Mm -hmm. And um, that was really a great loss. And she was an amazing actress and a dear soul. And I'm glad that we got to have her in Space Command as much as we did because she was a dream come true
0: i watched some of that before online some of that two hour special and there are some names in that michelle nichols was in there
1: yes yes i I
0: mean it's insane the cast you've assembled
1: yeah and christina moses who's on a million little things on abc currently and she played sulu's daughter in the star trek episode i did with george Mm decay and uh that was her first tv role ever and she's just phenomenal and she'll be continuing in space command and also in, in magic time another one of my projects and uh So, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, but now we're ramping up to do the showrunners network where I'm creating six series with the creators of, um, Farscape and the expanse and, uh, defiance and on and on. And, um, and so we're doing six shows, including a new Rod Serling series. Really? It's an amazing time. Yeah, yeah. So we can we can talk about all of these various things.
0: Is that is that news out there, Mark? Have, have I got a bit of an exclusive here? Can we talk about that?
1: Not widely. And we're, and we're in negotiations with the Serling estate, so it's not locked down, but it's an idea I came up with uh, a little while ago, which was it's called Rod Serling's After Twilight. Right. And um, basically, Rod, as you I'm sure you know, dictated all of his everything, scripts, letters, books, everything. He would lounge by his swimming pool in his backyard in the morning and he'd have a little recorder uh, and he would dictate everything uh, into the recorder and then his secretary would type it up and he'd make hand corrections. Mm -hmm. And it was thought that all of these recordings were lost uh, for decades and they just discovered a thousand hours of them in um, a couple of uh, archives, college archives. And so my idea was to create a new show that would be narrated by Rod Serling from that material. Plus, there's a number of scripts that either never got made that Serling wrote Mm -hmm. or were written during the live TV era that no one has seen since then. And these would be primarily fantasy, science fiction, horror. Uh, Plus we've used scripts from the other Twilight Zone writers that were not made and, and scripts by uh the new generation of writers, um, you know, people like Neil Gaiman and Kay Jemison. I mean, again, we haven't wow. we haven't confirmed that, but that's my idea. And Joe Dougherty, who was executive producer on Pretty Little Liars and won an Emmy for 30 something, uh, is aboard on that project with me. So he's an old friend. And so I've been in communication with the Serling Estate and with their representative. And uh we'll see if we can make that happen, but it's definitely a project I want to do. And uh yeah. so we'll see. But that's right now it's on the it's on the list.
0: The thing is, you know, this, the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone came out and I, and I really enjoyed it, but it was quite divisive with fans. I think sometimes people find it hard to accept a new Twilight Zone, don't they, without Rod Serling?
1: And, you know, and it's also difficult because Rod Serling really was uh, irreplaceable. There's only one of him. Mm-hmm. And, and then the writing staff he got, he got three of Ray Bradbury's proteges at the time he and Ray were friends. And Ray recommended Charles Beaumont, Richard Matheson, and George Clayton Johnson ultimately came aboard too. And they became the core of that amazing writing team that created Twilight Zone. So Earl Hamner also came aboard. He later went on to create the Waltons and, and Falcon Crest. But um, but he was a very different kind of writer. He was mm. much more rural. And whereas, whereas Matheson, Beaumont, and George Clayton Johnson were just spectacular uh, science fiction fantasy writers. And uh, yeah, and so they just, I mean, it was just, a Match Made in Heaven. And uh, so, you know, I, I wrote a script for The Twilight Zone when they brought it back in the 80s. That was an amazing writing staff. It was Harlan Ellison, oh. uh, Alan Bennett, George R.R. R. Martin, you know, Michael Cassett, and, and so forth. It was a very strong writing staff, but very hit and miss, you know. Mm. And the script that I wrote, we were a week away from prep. Doug Hayes was going to direct it. He directed Eye of the Beholder and Howling Man, many great episodes. Uh, and, um, and the censors pulled the plug on it because they felt it was too hard-edged. It's called Knife Through the Veil, so that's one of the scripts we're going to be shooting on, uh, if, if you know, on Rod Sterling's After Twilight, because it's a, yeah. another Lost Twilight Zone script that uh, I'm I'm very proud of. Katie Sackhoff wanted to do it a few years ago, and uh, so we'll see what we what we do with it. Uh, you know, but it'll be fun. It'll be very fun. It,
0: it sounds amazing because I, I think it will probably be a lot more palatable for those people who just can't accept a modern Twilight Zone. This is kind of somewhere in between, isn't it? You know, it's. Yeah. It's still got that Rod Saling stamp on it, but... Well, I was just going to say, one
1: thing I've been mentioning to uh, you know Jody Serling and, and the rep and so forth at, at the Serling Estate is that the Twilight Zone reboots, they they basically um, take the name and so forth. But Rod was one of the great writers in television. He was sort of like mm-hmm. the Arthur Miller of television. That's what, what he wanted to be. And censorship forced him into science fiction, fantasy, horror. He never intended to be a science fiction writer. but But his writing to a large degree has been lost into the degree that there's a lot of writing he did that no one has ever seen or no one has seen yeah. in 60, 70 years and so um so i think we i want to bring it back to put rod sort of center stage uh, as the just brilliant man and brilliant writer he was because that, i think that's gotten a little bit lost in the shuffle and um you know and also just that wonderful voice to hear him yeah, because the thing about rod was that whether he was writing a letter or making a speech or or writing a Twilight Zone episode? They all have that same irreplaceable rock thrilling voice. That it's poetry. Yes, and so um, so I, I I hope this comes to fruition. I think it will, and uh, uh, we'll we'll know soon. But again, I'm just following my enthusiasms. I mean, the show I'm creating with Rock Neil Bannon. Uh, rock uh, is a friend of mine. We met on the Twilight Zone the, the, when they rebooted Twilight Zone in the yeah. '80s. That's what met. And then Rock, of course, went on to do, to create Farscape, Alien, Nation, Defiance, Sequest, Cult, you know, and he's now executive producer on Evil. And we were looking for a project to do together. So what I did was I sat down and I generated 200 ideas just off the top of my head. And I said, okay, if there's something that sparks for you, let's start working it up. And there was one that we both liked um, that I called Sweet Haven. And, and ironically, this is before the pandemic, but the basic idea is that an engineered, Uh, disease, an engineered bioweapon, gets loose and it kills everyone in the world under 60. Mm -hmm. So the people 60 and above have to figure out how to save humanity when they can't reproduce. And I really wanted to write about older people because I think they're often stereotyped in the media as either the funny grandparents Mm -hmm. or, you know, coming down with dementia or coming down with cancer. And yet the people I know in their 60s and older are extremely vital and extremely, you know, they, you know, it isn't like a dividing line where all, all of a sudden you're, you know, obsolete and you just kind of sit there staring off into space. And um, so the cast is astonishing. It's Michael Harney from Orange is the New Black and Project Blue Book. Um, Veronica Cartwright from Alien and the Birds and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Bob Picardo is in it. Um, Barbara Bain again. Gosh, Marta Kristen from the original Lost in Space. I mean, Ethan Phillips from Star Trek Voyager. I mean, it's going to be a... Uh, and and um, James Hong from Blade Runner, mm-hmm. so and Big Little China. So I mean, it's just going to be super fun. We've done two, and Gates McFadden from Star Trek: The Next Generation. So uh, we've uh, so the script is written. We've done two table reads via Zoom, mm-hmm. and we'll be shooting that uh, very shortly as well.
0: I remember speaking to you way back when, and you pr- yeah. you produced the DVDs and Blu-rays for the, yeah. the Twilight Zone. and You've done a, a ton of commentaries on them, but not for all of them. Even then, you you were planning on doing what we're going to be talking about tonight. Like I said, you've got so much on. Um, did the pandemic give you the chance to kind of dust that off and say, okay, now's the time to do it?
1: Well, the reason for it, well, first of all, yeah. I mean, I did 52 commentaries on the Blu-ray mm-hmm. and with many of the people who worked on those shows. So they, I got to do the commentary with George the commentaries with George Clayton Johnson and Earl Hamner and Richard Donner before we lost them and they're yeah. they're gone. They have that. On the record is phenomenal and but that still left over a hundred that i hadn't yet done and so i always had it sort of in the back of my mind to do them at some point because literally i have all this i i, I interviewed over a hundred people who worked on the show i've got this encyclopedia of twilight zone in my head mm. and some of it in the book some of it's in the twilight zone companion in fact i just did a new edition that had a hundred more pages because there was so much more to tell mm-hmm. uh but i thought before i'm you know uh a memory uh it would be very useful for me to uh to share all of those stories and all of those things that these people told me mm-hmm. plus there are many many people who are the great creators of science fiction shows now and other shows that are huge sterling fans and they were inspired by sterling to create then this new this new golden age of television people like um vince gilligan on You know, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad and David Chase on The Sopranos and Ron Moore, of course, with uh, BSG, Battlestar Galactica and uh, For All Mankind and and on and on. I mean, Brandon Braga, you name it. And so, so I'll be, so my idea and also, but also there's this thing called money and you can use it. You can buy stuff with it, which is very helpful. And so, so my idea was my my wife has a number of of scripts that we want to get made. And I thought, well, I could, I could do the rest of the commentaries and raise like maybe a hundred thousand or more that, that we could use to produce some of her work mm-hmm. which I'd very much like to do since she writes and directs and produces with me and she's been doing space command with me and it seemed only fair to uh, return the, the favor <laughs> and um, in, uh, in sweat equity and, and cash and mm-hmm. um, so um, so I came up with this idea so we now have a site called Twilight Zone commentaries.com where people can put in their uh, contact info and then we're going to launch a Kickstarter campaign and they will be informed of when that is up. And the idea will be that every week, I'll be doing a live a commentary on two episodes of The Twilight Zone for a year. Oh, and then okay. at the end of that year, uh, the people buy put in like 49 bucks, they'll get all 100 plus audio commentaries that they can just watch episodes and listen to the full commentary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's other perks where for, for a little more money, they can get like an archive of my entire file. Of the Twilight Zone companion, everything in my file cabinet from when I did the Twilight Zone companion, I'll wow. get a scan of that. Or another another perk is they uh, they can ask questions and I'll answer them in the commentary on their specific episode. Or they can have an episode dedicated to them. Mm-hmm. Or and this is a higher ticket item, they can actually do the commentary with me <laughs> via Zoom. And again, you know, it's just kind of to, and it, it's something I'll do like once a week for a year, and that'll cover the hundred, you know, hundred and four episodes. And mm-hmm. um, and it'll be great fun because, you know, again, there's so much to discover still and there's so much to uh, do. I mean, the fact that I'm now working with Veronica Cartwright on Sweet Haven, well, she starred in I Sing the Body Electric, which is the only episode of Twilight Zone written by Ray Bradbury. And um, there were two other scripts that he wrote for the show, but uh, just to sit down with her and just say, okay, let's talk about this episode, you know, because uh, it's it has a very, very stormy uh, production history where they cast one actress to play the robot grandmother and it didn't work. And then months later, they hired another director and came back mm-hmm. and shot with completely different actress. So they there were reshoots on that episode months later. And so it'd be very interesting to sit down and talk with Veronica about that, yeah. and uh, share that with the with the fans. So uh, you know. And then of course I have my, my my Mr. Sci-Fi YouTube channel where you know I'm posting all the time, and people can watch Space Command. They can listen to my opinions about any number of things (laughs) and uh you know and it's just it's just super fun yeah so that's going to be quite an interesting um journey because uh it's all five seasons of the twilight zone it includes things like the pilot i never did a a commentary on where is everybody Mm -hmm. on and on i mean some of the great episodes and uh so it'll be it'll be super fun
0: i'm kind of fascinated by your archive you know because (laughs) i would imagine you you probably had to put some stuff out of the companion otherwise it would have been like huge yeah. So. oh yeah
1: well, I, have, I have over 100 hours of audio interviews mm-hmm. with the people that i interviewed i mean everyone from burgess meredith to anne francis to you know all of the producers of twilight zone uh, um interviews with Richard Matheson and George Clayton Johnson and Earl Hamler. I mean, it just goes on and on. William Wyndham, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you name it. I mean, uh, George T. Clemens, the, the DP. I mean, yeah, there's a uh, I'd say 90 percent of the stuff that I got from the interviews and from my researches aren't in the book. Wow. Uh, for Rod Serling had subscribed to a clipping file um, from around 1957, 1956, 57 until his death. So every article that was ever written about him was in these big leather scrapbooks in chronological order. It was like the encyclopedia of Rod Serling. Wow. And I found those up in his attic in his house in Pacific Palisades. And, you know, I would I would take these volumes home and make notes. And so all the you know, so my notes are in, in the files and I would transcribe the interviews and type them up. That's tons of stuff and photographs. I have over 200 photographs from the Twilight Zone or maybe 300 that were not published, you know, so. Uh, Ton, you know, you name it. I mean, it's, it's very fun. And, uh, and again, I was 21 or 22 when I started working on the book. And, uh, and so everyone was still around it, with the exception of Rod Serling, who had died two years earlier and, uh, Charles Beaumont, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much everyone else was still alive. So it was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, and, and again, it's, it's, you know, it's funny because it's really an oral history of the twilight zone. And, uh, because it's one thing to have an academic have opinions, but in a way that's almost, in my opinion, worthless. Because it's just some guy saying, "Well, you know, if you look at Twilight Zone, and it, it's a mm. metaphorically about, but and I don't mean to badmouth academics, heaven forbid, but but there's something about someone saying, "Yeah, uh, I was on the set, and we were shooting in Death Valley, and I had a big thing of chocolate milk, and I passed <laughs> off the camera frame." You know, it's like <laughs> it's like that's a very different kind of story than someone's opinion. You know, yeah. it's it's. Yeah. And, and recollection, you know, so um, mm-hmm. so I love I talking to all those people. It was it was terrific.
0: It's interesting that you, you mentioned, you know, you were in your early 20s when you wrote this. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about The Twilight Zone is, you know, I, I've reviewed episodes on this podcast maybe eight years ago or something. Yeah. And as I get older, I will revisit those episodes. And I think, you know what, I've, I've grown into that episode now. Yes, I, I yes. think completely different about it. I mean, yes. have you ever, you know, looked, you know, been flicking through the Twilight Zone companion and think, you know what, maybe I was hard on that episode, but yes. I actually, I'm an older man now and I, I've got a new perspective on it. Has that ever yeah. happened?
1: Yes, it has. Uh, for instance, The, wit- the Bewitching Pool, uh, which I had problems with because, you know, Mary Batten, uh from To Kill a Mockingbird starred in it and they had to loop her voice mm. in about half of the episode with like June Foray. Doing sort of her voice, and it's it's really odd. It doesn't really work. But um, but someone wrote me a letter when I came out saying you know that I didn't like the episode, and they said when I was a kid, my parents were divorcing, and there was no one getting a divorce on television. All the kids had happy families, and then I saw that Twilight Zone episode about these kids whose parents are divorcing, and and I knew I wasn't alone, mm-hmm. and and it va- validated how he was feeling and i said well that's that's really that's really valid i mean i can't i can't uh, be negative about that so when i wrote the new entry in the new twilight zone companion i i included that and i said i you know i see how that has value and um you know so yes sometimes my and sometimes my opinion changes I mean, one thing that really does stand out with Twilight Zone is just the astonishing artistry of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the phenomenal uh, cinematography, the great scores by Jerry Goldsmith and Franz Waxman and Bernard Herrmann, uh, you know, and, and it just keeps going. I mean, just in every category. And that came from Serling because the writing was of such a high quality that mm-hmm. everyone else would look at it and go, well, I i don't want to be the, the weak link in this chain, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, it's, it's really something. And, um, yeah, so it's, uh, but but like, so yeah, so sometimes I will change my opinion, um, and even the bad episodes are, there's there's, there's stuff of value in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, even some that, like, you know, where Rod talks about, he at various points he was so tired, he was writing so much, he felt like it was two Rod Serling's talking to each other in a given scene because he had such a distinctive way of talking, mm-hmm. and a, an episode that's very demonstrative of that is uh, the fear with Hazel Court and Mark Richmond, where it's like, yeah, it sounds like two, twi- two, two Serlings talking to each other, but but even so, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And so, uh, yeah, so, but I, and, and again, you know, one of the things about, one, one of the ideas I had when I wrote The Twilight Zone Companion was, I'll have the information about each episode and that will be unbiased. That won't have an opinion for or against, and then I'll have my opinion, mm-hmm. but, but first there'll be the information. And so, so, so in other words, and, and I've never, ever minded someone having a different opinion, because if someone says to me, well, you know, my, my favorite episode is the one with Shelley Berman. Okay. <laughs> 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 about that, you know, yeah. or, 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 or Carol, the one with Carol Burnett, which, you know, is the only one with a laugh track. And then they took the laugh track a- out mm-hmm. for the uh, Blu-ray. And it's like, you're, and they're just, they say a line and then they wait for no particular reason. And then they say the next line because they were timing it for a laugh track. So it's a, it's a really strange episode with or without the laugh track.
0: But have you ever been tempted to kind of... I mean, you added... a Because I've got your new Twilight Zone companion, the updated one, and it's great yeah. to have that extra material. But have you ever looked at one and thought, you know what, I, I'm so such a different man now, such a different person that I, I'd like to just completely rewrite my opinion on that?
1: Um, let me think. See, the, the, the challenge is that there's so many great Twilight Zone episodes mm. that when I watch them... What was really astonishing to me was, um, for many years after I wrote the Twilight Zone companion, I didn't watch the Twilight Zone because, you know, I'd gone, I'd spent five years working on the book, and. Then they were gonna do a, a documentary on Rod Sterling on American Masters, and PBS contacted me, and they they said, well, we're gonna film it in black and white, and we wanna interview you on film. And I was very nervous about this, because I hadn't talked about Twilight, so I not really even thought about it much for like, I don't know, a decade or two. Mm-hmm. So I brought the book with me, just in case I needed to consult it. And they interviewed me on camera for two and a half hours, and I never once opened the book, because wow. it was hard, and that's when I knew it was hardwired. <laughs> into my head yeah. <laughs> so uh you know so yeah yeah i mean maybe the encounter is one i've changed my opinion about um uh, that one at first i was kind of down on and now i really like it i think george decay and neville brand were terrific mm-hmm. um you know there's there's there might be a few but again i i you know on i think twilight zone's batting average just in terms of great episodes is so high mm-hmm. you know it's like when you look at you know, when you think about, okay, Rod Sterling spends one week and he does the um, the lonely. And then the next week it's walking distance. And then the next week, you know, it's it's a stop <laughs> in movie or whatever. And the next week it's time enough at it last. It's like, holy cow, these are all great. These are yeah, all classic. Yeah. And, um, and even with the hour ones, which were very problematical, you've got an amazing episode, like on Thursday, we leave for home. I don't know of any other piece of writing that deals with someone who's a hero and then can't let go of power and destroys himself. Amazing. I think it's amazing yeah. people writing, and James Whitmore is spectacular in it. Or, or Death Ship, the, the Great Matheson episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just got the spacesuit from that episode, so it's hanging it's hanging over there. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I own about I think fourteen spacesuits uh, or so, because because you know we're doing space command. So in the background yeah. you see people by in, in spacesuits. The one behind me is from Outland, by the way.
0: Mm-hmm. So. My yeah. <laughs> it's so, so it's safe to say then that if people listen to these commentaries, they're probably going to hear things that they've never heard before. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent.
1: Yes, and mm-hmm. because uh, because again, there's so much about these episodes that aren't, isn't in the book. I mean, you know, it's uh it's just it's just. I mean, one of the reasons I did the updated Twilight Zone Companion was because after I finished writing the book and it came out, people kept telling me amazing stories. Like, for instance. Douglas Hayes, who became a very dear friend of mine, he had been a director on many of the great episodes. And he told me that when they were shooting Eye of the Beholder, he realized that they were gonna run short. And Rod was out of town and unreachable. This is before the internet, of course. And so Doug wrote a scene in Rod's style and shot it. And um, and if you ever see the episode, the scene where they're in the the break room, the doctor and the nurse, they're smoking a cigarette. And he says, I've looked under those bandages. It's a human face. That was written by Doug Hayes, not Rod Serling. And then when they put it, put the episode together and screened it for Rod, uh, Doug was, you know, in the back of the screening room, with kind of sweating bullets because he had the ability to to write a, a scene of, of, in Serling style. And then at the end, at the end of it, when they when it finished running, Rod just looked back at uh, at Doug and said, "Good scene." <laughs> so, <laughs> so how could I not want to do a revised version of the book that would include that? Or yeah. or there. Was, and when Rod was teaching up in Ithaca, uh, one year. There, everyone in the, in the town knew him. It was a small town. And there was a young uh, young boy whose mom uh, owned a shoe store. Mm-hmm. And one day he goes inside the shoe store and there's a full length mirror and Rod's looking himself in the mirror and with, and still looking at himself. He says to the kid, do you think I'm a tight ass? And and the kid says, well, you know, says, yeah, Mr. Sterling. You know, you kind of talk through your teeth and Rod, oh, uh-huh, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> just so great. There's another story one of his students told was he, he, there was one student who subsequently became a writer who was like very tall. He was like six, three or something. And he came up to Rod with a question. And Rod said, hold on a minute. He walked him over to the staircase and he had him go down a few steps until they were eye level because Rod was like five, five. And they said, OK, now 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 you can talk. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> nothing like he was you know a giant, yeah. but uh, very fun, very fun
0: stuff. Great, great. Well, before I let you go, Mark, I uh, I understand you're going to be at Sailing Fest this year in Binghamton.
1: Yes, I am. And uh, uh, they reached out to me, and I'm, I'll be happy to go, and it'll be great to see everybody. And, um, yeah, so um, if anyone's in the upstate New York area, mm-hmm. drop on by. It's uh, an, an interesting fact is that although I've been um, – Been to ithaca i have never been to binghamton so i'm looking forward to that it's uh i of course know a lot about it (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um but i never made my way there and they of course since i wrote the twilight zone companion uh they've really put up a lot there, dedicated to rod they've you know they've decorated the uh the carousel you know appropriately to serling's works and uh it's terrific i mean I, i you know i think rod would be very surprised that all these decades later twilight zone is held in great esteem greater even than when it was on the air mm. um you know the, one of the sad things that he died he died at 50 not knowing he had left anything of merit you know that last interview he gave where he said I, I think my work has been momentarily adequate uh is just a very sad thing because you know he was uh, he was his harshest critic and, mm. uh, and but he created he not only created possibly the greatest television show ever made but he also inspired so many people to 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 aim higher and to do better and you wouldn't have star trek without rod or the sopranos or mm-hmm. so many shows that have come since we all were we're children of serling that's that's we consider ourselves that all of us who create tv shows
0: i went to Serling fest a couple of years ago for for the 60th anniversary <laughs> I, I don't think i'm going to make it this year because of the travel ban unfortunately but um there's a, a real magic about being surrounded by so many Twilight Zone and sailing fans, so I'm sure you'll get a, a super warm welcome. Um, yes. I, I wish I could be there; I really do. Now,
1: now where, where are you located? Where are you based?
0: Uh, I'm Liverpool in England. Um, yeah. Yes. Because so.
1: well, our our production company's based in both here in LA and in and in London. Oh, wow. So we, so when it's not a pandemic, we we actually go back and forth quite a bit. I stay in mm-hmm. Hampstead. Um, when I'm there and uh, so maybe I'll make my way up to Liverpool at some point and we can uh, you know break bread that'd Absolutely. be really
0: fun. that would be amazing that would be amazing um, yes. so before you go Mark just remind us where, where can people go to get the information about the commentaries?
1: They can go to twilightzonecommentaries.com to um, put in their contact information so that when we when people can buy the commentaries they'll be informed mm-hmm. there's no requirement you know they don't have to, they don't have to put any money down and if they want to just watch everything we've been talking about and more um go to mr sci-fi sci-fi mr sci-fi on youtube and that's my channel that i'm posting all the time great content about everything we all love
0: market uh, like i said earlier you know you were on the podcast almost 10 years ago now and And I wanted to thank you for that because, you know, I was just learning the ropes in those days and I knew I wanted to interview people, but, you know, someone had to come first and (laughs) you graciously agreed to come onto the show for an interview and you became that first person. And by doing that, you gave the podcast some legitimacy because then I could say, you know, the author of the twilight zone companion has been on this show and it opened so many doors for me. So I want to thank you for being so gracious and kind and doing that. And it's great to speak to you again.
1: Well, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to do it then. It's a pleasure to do it now. Uh, You, you're, you haven't changed a bit and (laughs) eternally useful. And, um, but I think, I think for all of us who are, who love good work, um it's so important that we share that with the world you know i think that podcasts allow us to uh do something very important and uh, so i'm i applaud you for for the decade of of good service to uh, to something that's worth uh, worth paying attention to so so i'm ha- happy to come on whenever you'd like mark thank you so much okay well we'll talk soon and stay well